This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. And I'm continuing on. This is part three of, what was it called? You're full of it. Look at the person next to you and say, you're full of it. I told you this is actually a sub-series. I'm doing this, this series, I'm, I'm actually calling it Living Inside Out. And I'm doing three sub-series under that. And so this is part three of the first part, which is called You're Full of It. And, uh, and so anyway, we have been talking. We started four weeks ago. We started talking about a few things. We're just establishing one, that every human being lives from the inside out, right? What's in our heart eventually comes out of, as Jesus said, for out of the heart, come. He listed all these things, evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. He said these are the things that defile a person. It's the things in our heart, right? What's inside of your heart eventually comes out one way or the other, correct? We also, I asked the question a few weeks ago, I asked, what is it you filled yourself with? If you don't know, you can ask your spouse. You can ask those closest around you because they know what it is that comes out of you. Sometimes we're good at trying to hide the things that are really deep within our hearts, but the people around us closest to us, they know what's in there, don't they? Because we, we've shown our true colors here and there, right? When the pressure's on. So we went on and we were talking about the second week, we were talking about what is it that's within every human heart by default. From the moment we're born, every human being is born into selfishness. That's what's inside of every human being from the moment we're born, right? We're selfish. What happens when, uh, when, when the pressure is on? These things begin to come out of us. And we know that we talked about how selfishness isn't unique to humanity. We think that when we talk about selfishness, again, we think it's all about us. No, selfishness is not unique to humanity. We see in the Bible, we see Lucifer, we see that in him, right? He wanted to exalt himself to be equal with God. It was all about him. We talked about how selfishness is the very essence of sin. And it didn't begin with human beings. Sin came forth from selfishness. The second thing we mentioned in that was and where does selfishness come from? We mentioned that selfishness is a byproduct of free will. Love comes through the freedom to choose, right? But if we have the freedom to choose, we have to have the freedom to choose otherwise. Make sense? So, without choice, there's no free will. But with choice is the freedom to walk in selfish ambition, which we've all been guilty of at different times, right? Selfishness is a byproduct of free will, and all humanity has that option because we're bound in sin due to Adam's, Adam's sin, right? The last thing I mentioned was our selfishness as humanity reveals our need for a Savior. Because we cannot choose to not sin, correct? That's not freedom. We can't choose to, to we, we don't have the inability to walk without sin as Jesus did. So, this reveals our need for something more. This reveals our need for a Savior, right? So I'm going to continue um, on, and this is part three. Really, this is a two-part message. I, I had to break it in half. I'll finish it next week. Um, but we all recognize we were born into a fallen world, right? We recognize that by default, from the moment we're born, our hearts are self-seeking, right? And we come to a place in life where we realize we can't keep on going the same way. Have you ever gotten to a place in your life where you realize something had to change? 
Usually that's what happens when we come to a place where we receive Christ. We receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We realize that we're not doing this very well on our own. We realize that the way we're walking, it's just, it's just not working. And so there has to be a change. Now, we don't like change a whole lot, but sometimes we need a makeover. Sometimes we need an extreme makeover. How many of you used to watch, actually the show I liked was Extreme Makeover Home Edition. Ty Pennington was the bomb. That dude was awesome. I used to love watching Extreme Makeover Home Edition. And this kind of got me thinking about that. Many times, it always started with a sob story, right? How many of you admit that you were trying not to shed a tear at the beginning of the episode? Of, as they're showing the video that the family sent in, we, we, we got this little 900 square foot house and the mama got a disease and we got 17 kids by accident and we're feeding a, feeding a homeless out of our kitchen and, and it's, the roof is falling in, right? And you're just, and Ty Pennington's sitting there going, yes, oh, you're so deserving, yes, right? And you're just like, ah. so... They would have these little houses that would be falling apart, all unsafe. And how many of you know that many times they would have to go in and they would have to tear down these houses? They would have to start over from the ground up. Now, now first, Ty would, would love on them and he'd put them in their limo and send them off to Disney for the week, right? Isn't that usually the way it worked, right? And then what would happen? The next day, they'd be at Disney, and they'd all be sitting there at Disney World, and all of a sudden, they'd be handed a little tablet, and Ty would pop up on the screen with his live video. Hey, family, hey, we're here at your house, and it's demo day. And he pulls out the sledgehammer, right? And he starts, man, how many of you just love demo day? That was awesome. <laughs> and he starts tearing into everything, and the kids are going, oh, no, it's my room. And the mom's going, it's the kitchen, and, you know, and all these things, right? And the house is being torn down. And many times, they had to take it down to the foundation, Right? In the midst of this whole thing. And when they would get all finished, the family come back from Disney. They'd pile out the limo. And they'd, y'all ready to see your house? And what would everybody say? Move that bus. And they'd pull the bus out of the way. And everybody would be like, ah, it's our new home. Right? I loved, I loved Extreme Makeover Home Edition. That was such a great show. You know, hey, y'all know how that show ended? A bunch of lawsuits. Because you had these families that had a 900 square foot house. And a week later, they had a 6,000 square foot house. And a month later, they couldn't pay the utility bills. Anyway, look it up, seriously. But um, that's, not part of, that's not part of the message. <laughs> it was certainly a feel-good show, though. How many of you know that sometimes an extreme makeover is necessary? Sometimes things have to be torn down, and you have to start over from the ground up. So in this series up till now, we've been talking about what is in our hearts. What is it that we're full of? And we know from the moment of our birth until the moment we receive Christ, we are spiritually dead and we're full of selfishness. Life is all about us. But there comes a point where things have got to be torn down and you've got to start over. This was the condition of mankind at Adam and Eve when Adam and Eve sinned. Y'all know God looked, he looked at man, he looked at mankind in love and despite the condition he found human beings in, he decided that he was going to send Jesus to do a makeover, right? And the problem was that ultimately, how many of you know that there was nothing salvageable in man? There was nothing that could be saved. 
Mankind was riddled with guilt and shame and insecurities and selfishness. And we know that he was spiritually dead. And the makeover that was required would require completely tearing down what had been there before and absolutely starting over from scratch. The makeover would be extreme and its cost would also be extreme. When God finished and moved the bus, what was found? We accepted the work that Jesus did. We received it as our own, and we were born again, right? John 1.13 says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of, or of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Y'all see that? John 1.13? I don't know if I have that in the notes. Here it is. Look at this. To all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood. In other words, you, you weren't born again in a physical sense, nor of the will of the flesh. You couldn't decide that you were going to be born again and do this of your own will. You couldn't will it. But of the will, uh, but of God, we were born again. We didn't inherit the birth, this rebirth. We didn't decide to recreate ourselves. God didn't decide to simply clean us up. He brought the new from absolutely nothing. Just like he did in creation. If we go back to Genesis chapter 1. He created what we see, everything around us from nothing, right? We were recreated from nothing. And that's our key scripture for today. I want us to look at a 2 Corinthians 5.17. And it's funny because many of us in this room can probably quote this verse. But this is what I want us to look at. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a what? A new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Man didn't just get a shot in the arm. God didn't give us shiny new clothes and a beard trim. God said, I'm absolutely starting over. He had already created man once. We know that he breathed life into him, right? When he breathed life in, that created his spirit. God, again, he started the creation process over. And he breathed life into us once again, starting over fresh and new. And we know that this is something that we could never accomplish on our own. It was impossible. He did the work. He did it completely. He did it instantly. He did it perfectly. He breathed life into us again. This is what we call the finished work of grace. You heard of the finished work of grace? And actually, next week, because at the end of this, we're going to have more questions. Like I said, it's two parts. Next week, I want to talk about the progressive work of faith. Of grace, I'm sorry. But today we're talking about the finished work of grace. So what does it mean to be a new creation like we see in 2 Corinthians 5, 17? Obviously, it means we receive Jesus, right? We've surrendered our life to him. It means that we've been born again, as we like to say, correct? But I want to break this verse down. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, I want us to take the next few minutes, I want us to break this down and talk about what this looks like. So I'm going to start, and on your notes there, you've got a little number one. The first part I want to look at is the word, therefore. Everybody say, therefore. 
Now, how many of you recognize that this is a weird way to start a statement? If somebody walked up to you and said, therefore, you must shine my shoes, you'd be like, it'd be less weird if they just said, you must shine my shoes. But if they said, therefore, wait, what? Therefore? What in the world does therefore mean? Therefore, actually, I just, we, we kind of know what therefore means, but I, I was having a hard time putting in words. I looked it up, and it simply means for that reason. Therefore means for that reason. It implies that something else important was just said, right? So it means that we need to slow down and back up. If you look at a lot of the statements Jesus says, a lot of times he says, therefore. And we memorize that scripture. But probably we need to slow down, we need to back up a little bit. And we need to see the basis and the foundation for it. So let's go back a few verses. We're going to go back to verse 14 there in 2 Corinthians 5. So here's what it says before. It says, For the love of God controls us. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean you're a robot? No. I've been loving the ESV version, but I don't think the word, I don't think control is maybe the best interpretation of that word. I looked it up, um, the original Greek word, and you'll see in other versions it actually says compels or it says drives us. So the love of God compels us. The love of God drives us. Because we have concluded this. The one, who is the one? Jesus. The one, Jesus, has died for all. Therefore, all have died. Well, have y'all died? What does this mean? It simply means the penalty of death that was given to mankind in the Garden of Eden has been paid for. The penalty of death, right? Jesus paid for it. So, Jesus died for all. Therefore, all of us have died. The penalty was paid. And he died for all that those who live may no longer live for themselves. Now, what it, the word live here does not mean to be alive. It, does, it doesn't mean to be living and breathing. The word live simply means that you've accepted Jesus and you've surrendered your life to him. That you're that new creation. Okay? Those who live might no longer live for themselves. Meaning that we won't live selfishly in sin. Right? But we'll live for him. For Jesus. Who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, therefore again, right? For that reason, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. What does this mean? Well, basically, before we could be saved, before we became that new creation, every human being was headed for the same destination. They're being led by the flesh and headed to hell, right? This is the way every person was regarded. So we regard no one according to the flesh. Why? Because we're a new creation. Our spirit now determines our destination, right? Even though we were once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Other versions say we regarded him wrongly according to the flesh, but no longer. So after all this, it says, for that reason... Because of this, because Jesus came, because he died in our place, because he paid our penalty, because of that, if you are in Christ, you're a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So let's look at the next part. Number two, if anyone is in Christ. So for that reason, if anyone is in Christ. Now the first thing I want to point out in this 
Y'all realize, how many of you remember the series I did last year uh, called My Life, My Responsibility? I talked about if-then statements. This is an if-then statement. If you are in Christ, then you are what? What? A new creation. Right, you're saved. It's an if-then statement. It's one of those conditional things. In order for us to be that new creation, in order for us to be saved, to be born again, we have to be in Christ, right? So what does it mean to be in Christ? One of the, the main thing I wanted to share was it means that we share in his death. Death is a lovely word, isn't it? It means that we share in his death. And I want us to look Romans uh, 6 in, in verse 4. It says, we were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. And actually, this baptism isn't necessarily talking about baptism in water. It's talking about, um, talking about receiving Christ, about surrendering our life to him. Buried, therefore, by him, by baptism unto death, in order that, just as Jesus was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we, too, might walk in newness of life. We die, and we, too, will be raised like Jesus, right? That's the new creation, Right? What died? Our spirit did, right? When did our spirit die? Our spirit died the moment we were born. (laughs) We were born with a dead spirit. We could not resurrect that spirit. It was buried. And what we had to do in becoming that new creation is we decided we were done with it. We had to turn away from it. This is part of being that new creation. Our death is of that old spiritually dead nature that was nailed to the cross with Christ. It was buried with him, and just like he was raised up by the Father, we too are raised up as a new creation, as it says, to walk in the newness of life, right? So Galatians 2.20 I'm going to read this from two different versions. But in the ESV, it says, y'all know this scripture, it says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who now lives in me, right? And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. How many of you know in our physical lives, we have got to live by faith in Jesus who loved me and gave himself for me? This is what it means to be a new creation. It means that we are crucified, our old self, that dead spirit, that sin nature. It's crucified with Jesus and that we recognize that we no longer live, but he now lives through us, through this new creation where he started from the ground up and he created us new and fresh again, right? Let me read this from the Message Bible. I thought this was powerful. What took place is this. I tried keeping the rules and working my head off to please God, and it didn't work. So I quit being a law man so that I could be God's man. Christ's life showed me how and enabled me to do it. I identified myself completely with him. Indeed, I have been crucified with Christ. My ego is no longer central. It is no longer important that I appear righteous before you or have your good opinion, and I'm no longer driven to impress God. That's powerful. Christ lives in me. The life you see me living is not mine, but it is lived by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And look at that last line. 
I am not going to go back on that. This is what it means to be a new creation in Christ. So if we continue on in this verse, what do we see are the results of the new creation? What is the after effects of it? And that's number three in your notes. It says, the old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. So we've got to look at a few things in this. When we talk about the old has passed away, what do we think of in this? Well, my immediate thought is it's all the parts of our old dead self. It's pride. It's the love of sin. It's what about reliance on works? It's our former opinions. It's our habits. It's our passions. These are the things that have passed away. These are the things that are crucified with Christ, right? I think most significantly, the things that we loved before, those passions, those desires, those things pass away. The things that we thought were important, especially the dominating, that dominating love of self. What about self-entitlement? Everything that has to do with self passes away as we become a new creation. Self-ambition, self-righteousness, self-promotion, self-justification. These things pass away. They're part of the old. The new creation, the new creature, looks toward Christ instead of looking inward toward self. This is what we're talking about. This is what this entire series is about, living inside out, right? It's about checking what's inside of us. The old things died, nailed to the cross with the old self. The things we once loved, our new creation now detests. We know that the sin nature was death, right? We know that before Christ, we're spiritually dead. And so with that said, I present to you that as a new creation, the sin nature is gone. I got an amen from Pastor Bob on it. The sin nature is gone. Now, that leaves some questions, I know. Because how many of you are like me and jack it up every day? We'll talk about that next week. That's the progressive work of grace. That's the progressive work of faith, of grace. We'll talk about that next week. But the sin nature, when it comes to the new creation, the sin nature is gone. We're no longer bound by it. The sin we once held on to, the new creation now desires to put away forever. Colossians 3.10 says we put off the old man with its deeds. Actually, yeah, let's look at that. Colossians 3, 9 and 10. Again, I'm going to read to you from the Message Bible. It says, don't lie to one another. Well, that's kind of a given, right? You're done with that old life. It's like a filthy set of ill-fitting clothes you've stripped away and put in the fire. Any of y'all ever had some ill-fitting clothes? We just got Aaron new pants. Better watch it. They keep falling down on him. He, he can't keep the belt tight enough. Any of y'all ever had clothes that were just too big or, or too tight? 
ill-fitting clothes. Our old life was like ill-fitting clothes that you've stripped away and put in the fire. Now you're dressed in a new wardrobe. Every item of your new way of life is custom-made by the Creator with His label on it. All the old fashions are now obsolete. That's a cool way of putting that. We are a new creation. So along with the old passing away, it says what? The new has come. How many of you know that when we receive Christ and we run forward of Him, the old things are replaced with new things? This is part of what it means to walk the life of the new creation. This is part of what it means to be in Christ. We know that old things are replaced with new things, new things that are full of life and God's personal touch. We walk in His glory. As a new creation, we delight in the things of God and we detest the things of the world, the things of the flesh. Our purposes, our feelings, our desires, our understandings are fresh and new and different. We see the world differently as a new creation than we did before. The new creation, the new creation loves people. The new creation loves people to the place of self-sacrifice. Before we were talking about selfishness. Now we're talking about self-sacrifice. Is what the new creation desires for. The new creation has a new kind of love toward the world, toward family, toward friends. It has compassion that it never experienced before. The new creation we find is we're surprised because... We have a love even for our enemies. We have a love for all of mankind. Before, the Bible was just a book that didn't make sense. To the new creation, it's life. New creation, it's direction. It's our guidance. It's our answer. It's our encouragement. It's our hope. It's everything that we need. Everything the new creation does, it does as a worship. It lives as a worship for God. It recognizes that it's not doing anything, as we just read there uh, just a minute ago. It's, it's not doing anything to please others. It's not trying to prove itself. It's not even trying to prove itself to God, but it's devoted to God. And everything it does, it does as a love. And out of thanksgiving for what God did for him. We can't look back. The new creation, the new creation doesn't sit still. The new creation is always pushing forward. It's always pushing to go deeper. It's always pushing for more. It's always pushing to make a bigger impact, to make a bigger difference. A couple more scriptures I want to read to you. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 20 through 24, and from the ESV. It said, but that is not the way that you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him, about Jesus, and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off the old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness." This is speaking of the new creation, isn't it? This is our desire. That our life is no longer our own. 
that we don't give ourselves to deceitful desires, that we're renewed in the spirit of our minds, that we put off the new, the old, we put on the new self that's created in Christ Jesus. We have to accept the new creation that God has created for us in Him. We've got to accept that things are different. We've got to accept as we become a new creation that it's not life as normal. As was talked about this morning, guys, I believe that a lot more is expected of us than coming to church on Sunday morning. That one of the scariest things to me in my position is how many Christians go to church every day thinking everything is just fine because they go to church every week and they've never surrendered their life to Jesus. That is the scariest thing to me. We've got to accept that God has more for us. That the new creation is not meant to sit on the sidelines. The new creation talks different. It walks different. It looks different. It acts different. It reacts differently than the old creation does. We've got to accept that life is not going to be like before. We have things to do. We now have purpose. We can be satisfied in this life and in the next as the new creation because God has a plan. He has a very purpose for every day that we live and breathe. We can't look back. We've got to recognize the new creation that we have to fully embrace the new life. We have to embrace it in every aspect of it, even when it doesn't make sense. Even when we can't see what the next step is, the new creation embraces it and says, God, I trust you, and steps forward boldly into what God has. I want to read 2 Corinthians 5.17 one more time. We've read it a few times, but this time I want you to look at it from the Message Bible. It says, now we look, now we look inside, and what we see is that anyone united with the Messiah gets a fresh start. He is created new. The old life is gone, and a new life burgeons. You know, I got to thinking, when we go back and we look at, th think about Extreme Makeover again, Extreme Makeover Home Edition. You know, we joke about that, about how these people, they, they send in a video, right? They send in their video requesting a chance to get this makeover done. And how exciting, actually, that's the first thing we always see at the beginning of the show when he's outside the front door and goes up and like knocks on the door, right? And they answer. He's like, hello, Smith family, and comes in, and they tell their story. And then he goes to put them in the little limo to send them off to do his work, right? You know, one thing I never saw on that show, I never saw anybody stop Ty and say, oh, hang on a second before we get in the car. A couple things. If you would, we really like our master bedroom. If you would just not touch it. Just leave it alone. We even like the way it's decorated. Just, just leave it alone. Also, the kitchen. We have a lot of great memories there. I know it's kind of small, but we really, the kitchen, we just want to hang on to that. And, and don't touch that wall or that piece of art. Never happened, did it? It was extreme. It had to be changed from the inside out, from top to bottom. Things had to be torn down, Right? And I think it's basically the same thing. We like to go to God with demands. 
you know, we come to, come to the Lord and we say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. But I think too often we declare areas off limits. And then how do you become a new creation when you've declared half of your life off limits to God? Can't happen, right? Can't happen. Guys, when we receive Christ, we come with empty hands. We come bowed down. There's nothing to give him, and we certainly don't come to him with a list of demands. We come to God and we say, God, I'm willing to be torn down. I'm willing to get my old life and allow it to be nailed up there on that cross with you. I'm willing to never do anything that my flesh wants again. I'm going to surrender everything, every corner of this house. I surrender it to you. And I'm going to let you, I'm going to let you have your demolition day. I'm going to let you tear it to pieces so that you can build it back up into the life that you designed it to be. We have to give up, and we've got to believe and trust that God knows what's best. And I think that's where many Christians sit today. I feel like their life with God is great. They feel like they're in good standing because they gave a prayer and they dropped a book in the, in the bucket when it went by. And guys, I just want us to close our eyes this morning. Let's, let's stand up and close our eyes. As I don't mean to be heavy, but this is the truth of who the new creation is and what it means to follow Jesus. It means walking the way of execution. It means walking our old self along that road with Jesus, carrying that cross and allowing it to be nailed up there to, to, the, to the cross with him. Let's bow our heads all across this place. We've been talking about, the title of the series was, You're Full of It. My question is, what are you full of? What are you full of? We just read a few minutes ago, it talks about the new creation. is crucified with him, and it's no longer I who lives, but Christ that lives in me. That means the new creation is full of Jesus. What are you full of? If you haven't died to your old self, your old life, if you're not crucified with Christ, it means you're still dead in sin. It means you're still subject to the sin nature. And the Bible says when this life comes to an end, there will be no hope. Have you been saved? Have you been saved from that sinful nature? Have you been saved from your sin, your guilt, and your shame? You have God's selfless nature. Have you allowed God to make you a new creation? Or are you holding on to that old life? Guys, I want you to dig deep for a minute. I, like I said, I'm going to finish next week, but I, I don't... 
I don't want any condemnation here. I mess it up every day too. But the important thing is that we've surrendered our lives to Jesus and that our dead spirit is alive in Him. So I'm going to ask you, if you realize in your life that nothing's changed, maybe you've received Christ before, maybe you've prayed a prayer to receive Jesus, but nothing changed in your heart, in your life, in your attitude, in your action, nothing different came out of you then I would ask you, please, surrender your life to Jesus today. Allow Him to do the transforming work that only He can do. Allow Him to bring that dead spirit alive. Allow Him to take that sin nature that's already been paid for by Jesus. Allow Him to take it. You weren't meant to carry it. Or maybe you've never truly received Jesus. This is your moment. Please don't wait. Please don't wait another day. We were reading in the news the other day, a high school where a student was playing sports and fell dead on the field. Guys, we don't know what the next moment holds. We don't know what tomorrow holds. But what we do know is that God loves us. When we despised him, he sent his son to die on our behalf. That's love. He's your hope. Don't wait another moment every head bowed, if that's you and you would say, I have got to surrender my life to Jesus today. Maybe you've never done it before. Maybe you've done it 20 times and you realize that your heart's never truly been in it. I want you to lift up your hand so I can see. Look up at me and lift your hand. Who in this place would say, I have got to surrender to Jesus today. I've got to get my life right. Anybody in this place? We're going to pray this together. Whether you raise your hand or not, I invite you to pray this prayer out loud. The Bible says you mean it with your heart, confessing Jesus as Lord, believing that he is who he says he is, surrendering your life to him, that you will be saved. People say, well, it's just, it's just as easy. Just say that. No, it's not easy. It's not. It's surrender. It's sacrifice. We're not going to pretend here that it's a simple as a 25-word prayer. It's not. You're giving up your life and you're saying, I'm going to follow you every day. I'm giving up my desires and my way of life. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to follow in your footsteps. I'm not going to do things my way. I'm going to do them your way. It's not easy. But guys, it is so worth it. The, the, The results of it are eternal. The benefits of it will go on for all eternity. And this life is so much easier to walk when you know you've surrendered your life to Him and you know you've got the creator of the universe on your side. It's so worth it. Don't wait another moment. Don't wait another day. Get your life right now. Let's all pray this together. Everybody say, Dear God, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for giving me hope when I was hopeless. Today, I surrender my life to you, Lord. I believe that Jesus died and he took my sin. He took my sin nature. He took my shame and my guilt, all my failures. He took it to the cross. He took it as his own. 
and he took it to the grave. And today, I receive you, Jesus. And because of you, I stand blameless before the Father. I receive you as my Lord, as my Savior, as my Master. I will follow you all the days of my life. Holy Spirit, fill me, empower me to be everything that you've called me to be. I will follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to do a couple things. I want, I want our prayer partners to go ahead and come down to the sides. And if gave your life to Christ or surrendered your life to Christ, I do want you to come down and talk to one of them here in just a moment as we go into this one last song. But guys, as I was going through this, it was just, it was convicting to me. And I just believe, I just feel like there's many here. I, I believe the Lord is just, just bringing his conviction to some areas in our lives. Let me tell you, we talked a few weeks ago about repentance. Sometimes we hate the word repentance, but what a gift of God that we can come to Him and we can confess our sin and we can repent to Him. We can turn from it. He gave us that ability. It came through Jesus. And I just, I have just felt for the last couple days there was going to be a number of us here that the Lord is just I believe that you just feel your heart beating out it just feels like it's going to beat out of your chest because you know that it's time to really get things serious with him you know that there's areas of your house that you've made off limits to God and let me tell you you wonder why you haven't made it further sometimes you wonder why God hasn't used you yet you wonder why you haven't been able to do certain things but I present to you, you have got to fully open up your house to Him. You can't hold back. You cannot declare areas off limit to God and expect Him to be able to use you and do all that He wants in you and through you. You're wondering why you're not walking in satisfaction and joy, why things are so difficult. I encourage you to look inside, look at your house. What is it that you've held back? What are the things within your own heart and your mind? What are the things within your soul that you've made off limits and that you have not gotten right with God and you've known, you've known that you've had to do it. You, feel con you, you may feel convicted every time you come into church. You may feel convicted every time you step into God's presence. It's time to repent. It's time to make a change. Let me tell you, it's so funny. I hear people so often praying for revival. God, please send revival. God, please send revival. God, please send revival. You know, every great revival in history started with one thing. It was repentance. The people of God fell on their face before God. 
and repented for their selfish ways, repented for living their lives outside of him, repented for putting areas off limits, repented for all the things they exalted above him. And guys, it's all of us. All of us have those areas. If you're ready to move on with God and you know there's areas in your life, it's time to get right. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277. You are Lord, I'm a sinner.